Begin Podfix Network transmission in three, two, one. What is up, plant people? Hey, today is uh, Wednesday. June 2nd, 2021, and we're back with another episode of the Planthropology Podcast, the show where we dive into the lives, careers, and general awesomeness of some wonderful plant people. I'm Vikram Baliga, your host and humble guide in this journey through the sciences and through nature and through maybe our anthropological connection to the environment. Uh, It's Wednesday um, because I didn't get the episode done in time for Tuesday. Uh, Monday was Memorial Day. And I honestly, this weekend, didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. We did some, that's not true. We did some home repair projects. We painted my son's room. We, uh, I fixed more plumbing issues than I care to think about, but I didn't, I didn't get all this stuff done. And so, um, it's a day late, but it is worth the wait. So today, I have another tree guy named Joe. Uh, it's it's going to be a theme, I think. I will not stop till I have interviewed every tree guy named Joe. So with me today is uh, Joe Buck. No, not that one. The better one. Uh, with whom I have found a kindred spirit. And you'll hear as we uh, go through this episode, and as you listen through this, that Joe and I have so many similar life experiences and um the 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 directions we went with with our lives is so similar in a lot of ways based on our experiences it was just really just a a, a, such a cool conversation i found joe on twitter um a while back which is where i found so many of the great guests that you have heard uh from up to this point and um you know i just I, i connected with this guy and we kind of chatted a little bit and i i cannot wait to become better friends with Joe and um, uh, try to talk with him more and and maybe just be like non-podcast friends too. Is that desperate? I hope that doesn't sound desperate. I like having friends. And uh, Joe is just such a genuine, smart, just just wonderful guy. Um, we talk about everything from what we did in school and what he did in school and where life takes you through that to uh, some of Joe's struggles and triumphs um, uh, with his uh, mental health journey. And he's very open and honest about that. And it's it's really cool to hear him to talk about how he got through some of the struggles. And we talk about fire ecology and we talk about climate change and the future and I was left recording this episode and editing this episode with so much hope and joy about the future of this planet with people like Joe on it. So I hope you are ready to listen. I hope you're ready to be inspired by what is really just such a wonderful episode. So buckle up, get ready to count some tree rings as we talk about dendrochronology, mental health, uh, experiences in school, and so many other things in this episode of Play Anthropology with my new friend, Joe Buck. All right. Well, we're back with another episode of Planthropology. And uh, sticking with our tradition of talking to tree guys named Joe, uh, I'm here with Joe Buck, who does all kinds of cool stuff uh, from fire ecology to uh, dendrochronology and studying uh, and writing a thesis and all kinds of cool stuff. And uh, you know, recording from a house that thankfully didn't burn down, uh, all kinds of cool stuff. So Joe, how are you doing today? 
I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, I had a, a kind of a near nearing harrowing experience, <laughs> but, uh, it was all avoided thankfully. And, uh, now I'm just, you know, in the process of, uh, yeah, getting breaker mains replaced and getting fire smoke smell out of the house. And, oh my yeah, goodness. That's all good. Hey, I study fire kind of, so, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, why not? <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure. It's just, it's for science, but no, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad y'all are doing all right. And I appreciate you still recording. I, I know that's probably been a stressful few days, but yeah, no, it's all good. You know, we've got a generator. So, you know, provided uh doesn't run out of diesel, I think I'm good. <laughs> well, I'll know if you just disappear halfway through yeah, this, I'll know what happened. Um, well, again, thanks so much for being on. So, so introduce yourself. Tell us about, you know, where you grew up, what you studied in school, all that, all that fun stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, I was born in Ardmore, Oklahoma. Okay. Um, I've got a ton of family still down there. Uh, and, uh, when I was about four, we moved to Shawnee, Oklahoma. And, uh, then a little bit later, I moved to Meeker, Oklahoma. Uh, so shout out to all my, you know, past, past homes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, um, yeah, so I grew up in Meeker and, um, really small town graduating class around like 74 ish, you know, I knew everyone in the school, uh, cause that's just, you know, how it is. It's how small it was. And, uh, yeah, so I grew up, went to, uh, right out of that, I went to Oklahoma Christian university, um, and got a business degree and, uh, kind of jumped right into family business kind of stuff in the oil field. I grew up in, you know, or in Oklahoma and probably Texas, we call it the oil field. Right. <laughs> and, yep. uh, yeah, there's no, no, no oil. It's just oil. It's and, oil. uh, so yeah, so tried, uh, yeah, I did that, did kind of the family business route. And, um, you know, I, uh, it just wasn't jiving with a lot of my values, um, kind of who I was as a, uh, environmentalist, um, envi well, I should say I wasn't active, uh, environmentally friendly, uh, individual mm -hmm. and, um, and yeah, I just, I wanted more, wanted something completely different. And, uh, so we did, my wife and I went, we moved kind of did like this community, uh, neighborhood worker thing, um, in Australia and, uh, did that for about a year and a half and, um, loved that. I loved the community. It was in a kind of a high unemployment, low income, uh, community. And it was just so great because every day was all about, uh, helping others, you know, that was it. Like, you know, that was the goal every day. Yeah. And, um, so I really cultivated a lot of gratitude, a lot of like, uh, kind of more of a therapeutic mindset, you know, thinking about others and, and, you know, how am I going to help them today? And, uh, and so doing, of course it helped myself, you know, I mean, like I became a much better person, much more tolerable person probably to be around and so on and so <laughs> forth. Uh, and we came back and, you know, it was kind of disarray when we moved back. Cause you know, kind of had that culture shock when we went, but it was a lot of kind of that, I don't know what you, if, it, if reverse culture shock is a thing, sure. Um, but that's kind of how it was, you know, you come back and, uh, and it was just kind of like, man, I miss a lot of things about Australia or, you know, or, you know, kind of became our, our norm. And then it, 
it wasn't, it was gone. So we had to grieve that and all, and, and that kind of introduced me to a lot of, um, uh, beginnings of some mental health aspects, um, that were neglected from my life. But anyways, we just kind of charged past all of that. Uh, and, and I went back to family business cause it's, it's what I had. Yeah. And, uh, and anyways, did that for a little bit longer and just said, Oh God, you know, I, this is, this, this is, needs to be done. I need something else. And I have always loved biology always, okay. um, you know, all throughout was reading tons of books and, you know, lots of more like a uh, popular science, you know, type, yeah. type yeah. of you know, books and magazines, that kind of thing. And, uh, anyways, yeah, I just, I decided to go back to school and I, I don't even remember how old I was whenever I went back late twenties and, um, got another bachelor degree. Um, uh, then, uh, did my master's I'm doing my master's, I should say, (laughs) uh, I've been doing that for a while now. And so didn't really know in undergrad what I was going to do, um, just knew that I loved, well, I, I went initially, I was going to be an engineer and, uh, yeah, yeah. I took, took, uh, calc one. (laughs) That was it. (laughs) That's all. That's as far as I made it. And I realized like, you know, if calc one is this big of a struggle, I don't think engineering is supposed to be like (laughs) what Joe Buck is supposed to be. And so, uh, yeah. And, and I took, I took a biology class by this amazing, undergrad this was at a community college um uh you know yeah this this amazing guy his name is julian hilliard okay and uh you know shout out to him it was from uh, oklahoma city community college and my goodness man it was just like yeah this like why not this is what i loved as a child and this is what i love now and all along the answer was just right there you know yeah (laughs) And well, so, yeah, I went with it and yeah, then that's, that, that kind of became my undergraduate, uh, passion was just pursuing that, that, uh, biology degree. Go well, ahead. It, sorry. No, no, no. That's, that's great. I think it's funny that that's, it, it takes, how do I say this? It takes finding out sometimes what you don't want to do to realize what you do want to do. Cause I started in engineering too, and kind of a very sim- similar story, uh, some of it was me finding out that I didn't want to do it. And some of it was my engineering program saying, are you sure this is what you want to do? And uh, <laughs> uh, I was like, well, apparently it's not. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, and then I got into plants and all that. I mean, I've always been into plants, but I got into studying plants. Yeah. And so, yeah, we have to, I, you know, I, you know, we're around the same age. And I think that mm-hmm. uh, something I've certainly learned, it sounds like you have too, is that life is never, it never kind of pans out like you think it's going to. And, and a lot of times it's for the better, right? We find our passions and we find the things that we love to do and want to do. And uh, it just takes us a little bit of meandering to get there sometimes. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, no, thanks for that. I agree completely. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, it's, what's interesting is I've always kind of felt that way. And that's advice that I would always tell other people is like, Oh, you know what? Like, it's uh, not necessarily going to be a traditional path for everybody and that's okay. And, you know, I never allowed myself that grace though. And, uh, and, you know, like I've always felt like, man, you know, like I don't feel like I'm really pursuing what I should, what I want and all that stuff, but just kind of like, you know, did what was putting food on the table for family. And it wasn't until later on that, you know, I, I think honestly, like I really grew up, you know, and 
and just realize like, you know what, man, like I, I can change. I can make this decision to go a completely different path um, because I'm still young. You know, I, I think yeah. like, you know, you, you know, I, I look, I'm from tra- very traditional. I was raised kind of fundamentalist and, uh, and uh, religion mm-hmm. and kind of worldview uh, in my opinion. And, you know, that, uh, that does not always cultivate a very open mindset. Sure. Sure. <laughs> a definition, right. Sure. Fundamentalist. And, and it was, it took a long time and that, you know, also as part of my like mental health journey and why I'm so open about it now. But, um, yeah, so I'll kind of get back. So, <clears throat> you know, yeah, I grew up in the woods, grew up like doing that as kind of like my refuge. And I, I loved it. I always loved trees, but I did not for a second in my undergrad think I was going to end up studying trees or hmm. anything to do with plants, honestly. And, uh, it wasn't until I, uh, kind of had this, this encounter with, uh, who is my advisor now and, um, Dr. Chad King at a uh, university of central Oklahoma. And, uh, man, I think what it was for me was the practicality of dendrochronology. You know, you take this increment borer, which is basically like a, you know, depending on the size of tree you're wanting to core, but it's like a foot or, or longer, usually, uh, drill essentially just that yeah. you crank by hand. And, uh, for anybody listening, it doesn't know, I guess. And, um, yeah, you drill into the tree about halfway and you break the core off in the drill and you retrieve it. Um, and out comes this beautiful story of the growth of the tree. Uh, all it's, you know, oh, I mean, was there a drought in 1972? Was there a flood in you know, 1971 was there, you know, like, uh, you know, what's the story on the landscape where, you know, native Americans burning, uh, the landscape, uh, more frequently. And then the, you know, Euro colonizers came and they put an end to fire or was it later on? I mean, like all, there's so many aspects and I love the human, um, dimension to it is, you know, the trees tell the story regardless of whether people were there or not. And, oh man, but anyways, back to that core, you pull it out and it's just, it's so amazing every time. And I love it. And I think it really spoke to my roots and like, uh, manual labor yeah, and just get it done attitude. That was always like, you know, it's just such a hands-on thing for me and to have that intimate, I love woodworking too. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a very good woodworker, but I love it. <laughs> and and so I think it's like every time I get to core a tree, it just it really speaks to my raising of working hard, uh, getting fruits of your labor, you know. Um, and yeah, I love the whole process. And so, anyways, yeah, then I decided to do a master's on it and uh had a lot of mental health issues that delayed it, um, some trauma that occurred and sure. And, uh, so yeah, so I, 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 uh, very slowly peck away at a thesis. I am not an all-star student, but I am one that will not quit. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so there you go. That's my, that's, that's a lot, but that's there. I'll be done for a second. (laughs) (laughs) 
You know what? It's it's fun listening. It's fun actually getting to talk to you because, like I said, I followed some of your you know social media stuff, the stuff you post on YouTube, all of that, and you know we're very similar people in a lot of ways. I think. Mm, I think. Yeah. Listening to you talk because, like, I also am a you know semi professional but really amateur woodworker. I <laughs> you know turn turn a pen every now and then, and I'm like, cool, look, <laughs> you know, make a cutting yeah. board, and I think I'm I'm a cool guy, but like, uh, you know it. I, and I and I think I've approached school a, a lot of the same way. I, you know, did my bachelor's and and master's in a row because I thought I had to, you know, and I I did. And then I took a few years off and worked and um, ran a landscape company, worked for the extension service, a few other things mm-hmm. before going back for my PhD. And like, uh, I have never been an excellent student, <laughs> I, but I've survived, right? And yeah. I think that. So we tell, okay, this is, this is going to sound kind of off, you know, off topic maybe, but you know, uh, uh, so much of what we do is just tell stories, right? Like we, we figure out how to tell stories of our, and and we tell them for ourselves and we tell them for those around us and all of that. And um, like you with, with the work that you do and how the trees tell the story of the past, we tell our own stories. And I think when we look at these stories, both in natural history and in, in human, humanity <laughs> like what we're asking is like how do we keep surviving how do we do the thing like yeah. how do we keep being a human being and how do we keep living on this planet and all of that stuff and so that story of i don't want to say struggle but maybe struggle or or hardship or um just just journey through an either whether it be academics or career or whatever is so important because yeah. when people listen to our stories whether they realize it or not, I think they're asking the question, how did you make it to where you are? And how do I do that too? Right. Yeah. How do I, how do I survive whatever this weird experience we called life is? Yeah. And, and, and so the, I think the story you tell both from your mental health journey to your, you know, uh, academic journey is so meaningful because that's what I think we, I, I said this recently to a colleague that, um, you know, I, I teach undergrads, I teach freshmen mostly who can't decide if they actually want to be in my class or not. And it's, it's non-majors intro horticulture, right? So they're, they're in and out, whatever, and, you know, attendance drops the farther we get in the semester. But like, I'm very open about my personal struggles with them. Like if I'm behind on grading or something, I'm like, look, I had a crappy week, it sucked. Because I think that that helps them contextualize their own journey as young adults and as really still young humans. And uh, yeah. so now I, I think what you do is super important. And I, I like the way you tell that story a lot. Ah, uh, thanks for that. No, I, I mean, first off, I'll start with saying I 100% agree with everything you just said. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, what it, to be a human is to be a storyteller and a listener to stories and in my view. And, you know, I mean, we are always, everything we do, you know, I think of like, uh, you know, if, if everyone, you know, had a book of life and it's just constantly being filled with new lines, right? And some of us are aware that we're telling stories as we're going. Um, some of us aren't. Uh, I certainly struggle with being aware and staying in the moment uh, myself. But I think that's what I really enjoy about listening to other people is because it allows me to just pause 
where I don't always naturally do that very well with myself and, and just listen. And, you know, I think too, the other thing is I just think everybody else's story is so much more interesting than my own. (laughs) (laughs) And, and naturally, because right. I mean, I, I'm bored with mine. I know my story. Sure. Uh, The nice thing is as I've matured, I realized there's a lot of beauty and, and a lot to learn from my own story. And I, and I love that. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I love storytelling. I'm, I'm not, um, like a natural storyteller, but I'm, I think what I can do is, is provide a platform and inspire others to tell their story. Sure. So that's, that's, you know, so, um, so this, the platform that I'm using right now, uh, is, you know, Twitter. I love Twitter, uh, <laughs> because Twitter is like a community for me. And it is exactly what I make it and what I allow it to be. You know, I can block people. I can (laughs) mute people Yeah, (laughs) if I need to do that. I can, and I, I follow almost everyone that follows me. Um, and, and I love that, you know, uh, it's community, no matter what, like it's community. And so anyways, I, you know, so the platform uses Twitter, but also like this, this additional platform that it, you know, doesn't have a lot of subscribers, doesn't have a lot, you know, it's not a big deal, but, but I think what it is, is it's a storytelling platform in the, uh, and the format that that goes by is by just a conversation. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, I call it fireside chats, uh, you know, and basically we just, it's me and one other scientist and, uh, hands down 100% of the time the other scientist is like way more accomplished and way smarter and way way better at everything and i love that i love that i mean because it again like it presents an amazing story that's about to unfold you know and having said that it's short you know ish you know 30 to an hour 30 minutes to an hour or so yeah. and it's just hey tell me it, it's it's a lot like your podcast and i think which is why i enjoy your podcast so much <laughs> uh and yeah we are very similar you know 30 somethings you know have wives that are way better at everything than us 100 percent. Yeah, yeah yeah so you know yeah but uh anyways yeah i i love it it um it provides connection and i think what is so cool is we live in an age where you can talk to your heroes you yeah. know like uh, uh, you know, like just being able to send a direct message or comment on, you know, somebody big's, uh, you know, post that they made or, you know, to be able to say, wow, that's awesome. And them say, oh, thanks. Like th- sometimes yeah. that's, that's huge. And you remember, like when we were kids, like you, you would literally have to write a letter. Yeah. And you didn't even know if that was a publicist that was writing you back <laughs> or if it was the actual person. If you got anything back at all. If yeah. If you got anything back. Yeah. Was this really their signature or do they have like somebody <laughs> just write scribble something, you know? Yeah. And I mean, like, that's how it was for me. And, uh, but, you know, I just think it's so cool the accessibility we have to people. And, um, yeah. I, and I love that. So, uh, I'll tell you something that is, it was huge for me when I realized it, but I didn't realize it at the time. So obviously I love connection. I need community. 
And, and so that was a big reason why, you know, I even started this fireside chats thing Mm -hmm. and what it was really born out of was a, uh, manic episode that I had. Mm. So I have bipolar disorder, um, Tourette syndrome, uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, severe depression, anxiety, you know, like I kind of, uh, struggle with a lot, but, uh, but can still remain functional. Um, of course, obviously, sure. But, um, yeah, so basically I've just, I've always felt like, man, I would love to just like, man, wouldn't it be cool to just like help people tell their stories or man, to have conversations with these. I mean, just like we do, like, wouldn't it be cool to be able to sit down with some of these people. And, uh, so anyways, like, yeah, just one day I woke up and I was like, you know what? By God, I'm going to do it. It's going to be called <laughs> Fireside Chats with Joe Buck and Nature. And, uh, and so I just started uh, messaging people like yeah. out of nowhere, just like, Hey, you know, you want to come on, you want to come on, you want to come on. I didn't have a platform. I didn't have anything. Um, that day, like I bought two websites, designed a website, uh, designed a couple logos. Uh, I mean, I stopped, I, I did everything, but stopped short right before, like I purchased like merchandise. <laughs> <laughs> so you know this is this is what happens sometimes you get on these like manic things and you're yep. just God, this is going to change the world and i had the wherewithal you know i did know this was not going to change the world <laughs> but it might change science you know it might sure. change something you know yeah i mean like you know that day like i did all this stuff and went to the store and on my way, like I was on the, on my way to the store to make sure like I purchased, like, do I need a microphone headset? What do I even need? I didn't know anything, man. I'm not like a technical savvy person. Um, sure. I'm just like most, you know, people around my age that are somewhat decent. Right. Yeah. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I was on my way to Walmart or target or Best Buy or whatever it was. And, you know, like I, there was a homeless person that, that is always at this corner and my kids have given money to him. And, you know, like, you know, it's just, he's always there, but I saw him and I just, man, there's something in my head. And I just thought, this is a, this is a problem, right? Hmm. Homelessness is a problem. Yeah. And I think I can solve this. I think I can fix this. And so like my brain starts spinning and I'm driving and I'm like, man, you know, like, if I, okay, who do I need to talk to? I need to talk to senators. I need to talk to Congress people. Maybe the governor, like, this is what happens. Like, yeah, this, yeah, this, yeah, is yeah. Why, this is why, like, uh, Kanye West ran for president, right? Presumably. Yeah, right. Like, yes. this is what happens in, this, in the mindset <laughs> is you start having these, it, it's not like, for some people it is. Some people it's tied to ego. Like, you know, by everybody is an individual person, right? Sure, like of course. Condition. Um, and mine was not from some, like, ego grandiose like i'm awesome kind of thing quite the opposite i struggle way more with imposter syndrome and feeling like i'm not worth much right that's the depression side yeah but for me it was like this is a moment where i can change everything you know yeah and uh so yeah i had a lot going on that week so i had this big week (laughs) i I did like two chats that week you know uh started trying to put content on and you know doing all this stuff and, uh, and yeah, by the end of that first week I crashed and like, yeah. I, I mean, like it was like radio silence for several days and I just couldn't get up, man. Like, so that was, that was how fireside chats became fireside chats with Joe Buck and nature. And, uh, it was, it was part of my mental health journey 
But you know what is awesome is like the problem that the bipolar created was having something I have to do and maintain. Sure, right. That that in those moments usually is only attainable because you're you're manic. And what's awesome though is because of the medicine, the self-care, the the journey that I've been on for the past year and a half, I have the ability to meet that challenge. And that's something that's pretty rare because usually, you know, it's like homelessness. Like I'm not going to solve homelessness by myself. Sure. You know, right. I, and I abandoned that one, thankfully. <laughs> I mean, I'm still, you know, want to be a proponent. Yeah. But I, I'm obviously not going to single-handedly do anything with that. And, uh, but yeah, so what's cool is like, yeah. So I think I've, I've recorded now 16 or 17 posted one less than I recorded. Okay. And, um, and it's going amazing in my view because I enjoy it. And that's really what it's about is, um, is this enjoyable? Is this a, a conversation that people can relate to or find some information or connection with? And why well, I think what is so amazing with podcasts like you do, uh, and with Panthropology and with the fireside chats and all of these others is just like these are conversations with people that we would well at least that i find interesting and good people and uh that's what i try to focus on people that i for for as far as i can tell are really good genuine people who have uh done amazing things or just have a great story to tell. And it's so rewarding for me personally. And my thing is I really hope it's rewarding for other people too. So that's well, you know, and passion is contagious. I I have always said that always thought that. So like, you know, and and that's true in education. That's true in science communicate, like everything we do. Like if, if you love it, it comes across. Right. Like, yeah, like, yeah, like right. if you're just doing it, like, okay, I've got, you know, and, th- and that's the difference between, I think the shows that I listen to and the, the content that I consume the most is if the person producing it clearly is enjoying it. Gosh, it's so much easier for me to get into it. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, you know, you could have the best, the best content, so to speak. But if you're not, if you don't care, if you're not passionate, then it's so much harder for people to, to really like latch on and really to love it. So I think you do a great job of that. But, uh, uh, we'll take a quick break just real quick and I'll play a trailer at you or something. And when I go back and record it later, who knows what's going to come out of my mouth. Uh, (laughs) And then when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about, um, I want to dig in a little bit to the meat of like dendrochronology and and some of the other like science that you do. So Mm. we'll, uh, we'll be right back. Well, hey there. Welcome to the mid-roll. It's so nice to see you here. Y'all, I don't know why I feel the need to be so creepy at the beginning of the mid-roll every episode, but here we are. Uh, I'll tell you, um, this is has nothing to do with the episode, but um, we got our teaching evaluations back from this past semester, and uh, one of my students, his whole, their, I don't know if it was a he or a she or whatever, uh, but one of their only comments was, um, his voice is high-pitched. Y'all, is my voice high-pitched? I don't, 
I don't, I don't feel like it is, but maybe it is sometimes when I get excited. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I, I, I it does, it had, it makes no bearing on my life, but I have not been able to stop thinking about it. It made me laugh for one thing, but is my voice high pitched connect and let me know. It doesn't matter. But as far as connecting goes, I hope you will connect with Planthropology in all the places. Look us up on Twitter. We are Planthropology underscore on Twitter, Planthropology pod on Instagram, Planthropology on Facebook. And we also have a wonderful Facebook group with some of the coolest plant people you'll meet called Planthropology's Cool Plant People. That's right. It's well named. I'm also uh, on TikTok as at the plant prof. Y'all, I don't know. TikTok's fun. I'm way too old to be on there, but it's a lot of fun. Um, I don't have a trailer or anything to play for you, as uh, past Vikram suggested that I might, but I do have a request. So today is June 2nd, my birthday, my 34th birthday is one month from today on July 2nd. And if y'all wanted to get me a birthday present, I would love a late rating and review for the show. So if you don't mind hopping over to Apple Podcasts or Podchaser or CastBox or anywhere that you're listening, if you can leave a rating and review for me, I would be so grateful. And I will uh, do you one even better. And if you take a screenshot of it and send it to me, I'll send you a sticker and some other stuff. Yes, there are still stickers that have to go out. I know there are some of you that have been waiting for a sticker for like 300 years. You're going to get a sticker. It's summer now. I have survived a semester. My voice is high pitched and uh, I'll have some time to get those out um, really, really pretty soon. And uh, you may also get some other swag as a thank you for it taking so long. Um, but yeah, if you'll leave me a rating and review, I would really very much appreciate it. I love reading them. I love making sure that I'm doing the things that you like to hear. It helps with, at least depending on who you ask, it may help with exposure for the show. Uh, but really, I just want to hear from you. Also, if you are a Twitter person, I am like 150 followers away from 2000 followers on Twitter. Now, that is solely for my own vanity that I want to hit 2000 by my birthday. But y'all, here we are. I do. So if you're on Twitter, um, go follow me at, again, at Planthropology underscore. I would really appreciate that a lot. But uh, yeah, that's all I got for you. And uh, get ready to talk about tree rings, dendrochronology, fire, more about mental health, and about the future in the second half of this episode. Ready, go. All right, we are back. I hope you enjoyed whatever it was you just listened to. Um, so, yeah, so we were talking about, uh, you know, before the break, everything that goes into some of the the communications and in Joe's history and all of that. But I want to get into, um, like, some of the specifics maybe of both your your master's research and, like, the field of dendrochronology. You know, we talked about the story that it, that that we can tell, but I'm curious about, like, some of the specifics, and I think a lot of people would be too. And then I want to talk, talk fire ecology a little bit too, because I think that is so fascinating. Um, but okay, so dendrochronology, like at the very basic level, what does that mean? What is dendrochronology? Yeah, okay. Well, oh boy, dendrochronology. <laughs> at, the, at the basic level, right? So dendro means tree, Um Chronos or is time, yeah. right? And ology is study of. So it's you know, um, basically using tree rings to uh, look at 
changes in time. So what we can tell from a tree is, so, and this depends, right? Like, so tropical trees are a little different um, and some others, but we'll exclude those for right now. So trees where I live, where you live, right? For the most part, every year they start, uh, they put on leaves in spring, right? So when they do that, they're they're starting starting to grow right right? photosynthesis is is happening they're uh growing both in length and in girth and when they're growing wide uh that secondary growth it's creating a tree ring yeah all right so this is early wood uh what we call early wood and so at a certain point the tree is going to slow down its growth Okay. And so like late summer, early fall before the leaves all come off, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's going to put on a, a different kind of ring. So early growth is like, oh man, it's a party, like, you know, tons <laughs> of growth. Uh, and, and these, these rings are, or the, the cells are large, the vessels are large and they're distinctively different from the second ring, which is late wood. And, so what this does is it creates this pairing, right? So you have early wood and late wood. So you have one ring that has two rings in it, basically. Gotcha. All right. So yeah. I know it's kind of confusing, but early wood, late year, and we call that, um, that's a ring, Yeah. right? It's an annual ring. Every year, this tree is going to be doing that. Now, depending on how wet it is, uh, that early wood, late wood, whichever, uh, may be small, may be large depending on how much nutrients there are, depending on how much, uh, you know, how much sunlight, the temperature, all these uh, environmental factors are, if it was shaded out, you know, maybe a tree grew up and uh, over a couple of years and shaded it out. So it slowed its growth. Right. It's going to have smaller growth rings. So all these differences um, are going to change the ring patterns and, Maybe you had two good years and there'll be wide rings. And then, then you had a drought. And so you'll have a really small ring and then you'll have maybe uh, just a couple of years that are normal. And so eventually it creates this pattern of, you know, drought, normal, normal flood, normal drought, whatever. Right. And these patterns can uh, be aligned and we can figure out, you know, the age of these trees. Um, Oaks are really nice because, uh, they're super reliable. They don't have false rings and all of that. And right. those are the trees that I mostly get to look at, which okay. is awesome. Uh, because some people that study like junipers, uh, you know, they throw in false rings and different things, but, um, yeah, I think I went way more than, no, that's, no, that's perfect. That's perfect. Cause <laughs> so I mean, that's not simple. No, 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 it doesn't have to be simple. <laughs> Science isn't simple. Uh, no, that's no, that's perfect. And, uh, is there a specific, uh, species of oak you work with more than others? Yeah. So I mostly do post oaks and okay. blackjack oak and, uh, also black oak, um, okay. at one of the study sites, um, has some black oak on it, but at post oak, mostly that's, you know, it's super reliable. I, you know, you, you know, whenever you see one specimen or one species under a microscope, it's really nice. You, you get to, you really like a dendrochronologist in their local area, or whatever study site they see day in, day out, yeah. uh, so to speak. Um, they memorize these patterns 
And wow. it's really cool. So like you, you'll talk to somebody from like Ohio or somebody on the East coast, West coast and then center or wherever. And we all have like these memorized chronologies essentially. Hmm. Um, so like I could tell you like for sure in Oklahoma, like 1953, man, that was like really dry and uh, or like 55. And then, you know, 1981 was dry and um, really narrow rings. Yeah. And uh, 1996. So like these are called marker years and they really help us when we sit down with the sample, we can real quickly pinpoint like, okay, yeah, this, this seems to be in line. Like I, I can tell how old this tree was. That's awesome. So yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> well, and you know, and I, I was, we have a, um, a windbreak around. So part of my job is, you know, running this horticultural garden on campus here at Texas tech. And yeah, we have a, a windbreak of Eastern red cedar on the South and Southwest side of our, our property mm-hmm. here. And you know, the trees were planted too close. They've had some tip blight and some other stuff. And so they're dying back. So we've had to cut down a few and I was showing some of it to one of my student assistants and I was like, Oh yeah. So this side was facing South, this side, the prevailing wind came from here. This was a dry year. Here's when, you know, somebody probably barked it with a weed eater or something. Uh-huh. And they were like, how do, you, how do you, why do you know that? <laughs> like, like, Oh, the story is just so cool. You know, like yeah. based on the way that uh, trees lay in reaction wood is a, a response to like the force of the wind and you can, you know, and the way they compartmentalize damage and all of this stuff tells, like you say, such a cool story about our environment, local and beyond, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's really, it's, I mean, it's super fascinating. One of the most fascinating things to me is one of my, uh, my good friends and colleagues, uh, Justin Cheek. Um, he's doing his master's at UCO, uh, where I'm at. Uh, he, uh, he, his, his is more focused on growth release, um, after, uh, timber harvesting. Okay. And, um, so he, you know, he's finding like some 200 plus year old, you know, oaks and, and hickories, And, you know, like you can tell when they're removed or like when people came in and logged it because there's this huge growth release. And so Mm -hmm. like the forest uh, really started to spring up um, or the trees that weren't cut, that is, you know, because now they have all this abundance of sunlight. So, you know, the next couple of years, like, man, they are just growing fast. These really wide tree rings. So you can you can correlate that and tell when, you know, uh, events happened. There's been people that have done it on. um like landslides or avalanche or uh, hurricanes or tornadoes, you know, wow. lots of growth releases. That, that's all cool to me. I, I haven't done any growth release uh, stuff really. So I think yeah. that's a cool, cool story. I mean, it's just part of the story that you can tell and like the story with fire as well. And that's, that's an angle that I'm looking at with my masters as well. Cool. So how does that, how does that factor in? Cause we've talked on the show a lot. Um, I have a, uh, a friend, I don't know if you've listened to it uh, um, with a uh, Matt McEwen, uh, who mm. uh, studied fire and stuff like this was a while back. And, you know, he said, we are a fire people and this is a fire mm. planet. Mm. And I thought that was really an interesting way to, to, to think about that. So can you talk a little bit about the, the relation between fire and tree growth and just the kind of ecosystem and, and at, at, mm-hmm. in whatever capacity you want to or can? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go with can. Cause it's going to, that's my limiting factor. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, uh, I, Oh God, man, fire is such a cool topic and I completely agree. I mean, humans are fire people. Like, I mean, that's just, 
are, you know, there, there, there have been so many gifted authors that have written books on the intimate, you know, relationship humans have with fire. And I mean, it, they're, they're all fascinating, you know, no matter the writing style, like it's just such a cool topic. So yeah, I mean, like fire is in my view, you know, it is a landscape, uh, creator destroyer. Uh, basically it's like, it's the potter to landscape being the clay. And, you know, I mean, you, you think, uh, for instance, on my study site, it's uh, our little eco region that runs um, basically this little narrow strip that runs from the South of Kansas to the North uh, of Texas, just right down the center of Oklahoma, basically it's called the cross timbers, uh, cross timbers eco region. And, uh, it's like a post oak, black joke, black jack oak dominated forest or woodland uh, savanna. So it's like an oak savanna. And um, there's lots of ways to describe it, like a mosaic or, mm-hmm. you know, patchwork or, you know, whatever. It's yeah. essentially like this edge community, a wide edge community where the prairie meets uh, the eastern deciduous forest. And, um, yeah. And this, this is all because of fire. Like the, <clears throat> every historically, I mean, every two to four years or so um, on, on average, like uh, a fire would have been caused by like a lightning strike or a person lighting it intentionally for sure. whatever purposes. And uh, it, it burns all the underbrush. It burns out these music species. Um, and that's why like in the past, Eastern red cedar was confined to uh, riparian areas or like cliffs where fire couldn't, you know, had no fuels to reach it. And so what was left was just this kind of Oak woodland with, uh, lots of native grasses or prairie grasses in between. And that, that is what it would normally look like. So that's the story of kind of Oak, uh, woodland savanna with fire present. However, what we're seeing today in the cross timbers and, and, you know, a lot of different places too, but also yeah. to, to my area is this mesification happening where all these species like, uh, Oh, common ones are like hackberry, sugarberry. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, lots of elms get thrown in there. Uh, Eastern red cedar, uh, lots of invasive species. Oh my gosh. Lots of exotic invasives. <laughs> yeah. Like tree of heaven's a oh big one. Um, it, that makes my teeth itch when you say it. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And, uh, uh, oh, like different privet species like Chinese privet. Mm-hmm. Um, then we, then we have like some really bad invaders. Uh, um, oh gosh, I'm, I'm trying to think there's just, there's so many, like they're, they're all getting like kind of swarming in my head. Uh, Oh, like uh, what is it? Lonicera japonica, the uh, um, uh, like the Jap- that Japanese hon- honeysuckle. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then there's like Macchia. Yeah, so there's these different honeysuckles that are non-native. So yeah, and, and it's like they just they they're taking over and changing the forest, and this is all because we excluded fire. So right. like in the early 1900s, we had this policy of uh, fire seclusion as a national policy, and um, yeah. So it basically like, we're still trying to, trying to restore, um, 
the cross timbers region to what, you know, it used to be by using fire prescribed burns, you know, control burns. Um, but you know, it's very piecemeal. There are some farmers, ranchers that do it, uh, for grazing purposes or farming purposes. There's some people that do it purely from the ecological, you know, standpoint, those are fewer and far between in Oklahoma. Um, yeah, but fire is, a, is, a, is used and seen as a management tool uh, for people who want to have, you know, more deer or turkeys. Sure. Um, and that, so that's a great, that's a great end to get people to, to jump on the fire bandwagon. But, you know, the thing is like, we, we have evidence that, you know, we know that Native Americans, you know, indigenous people to this land were burning um, both for cultural purposes, for, for, um Oh, their own land management purposes yeah. as well, you know, hunting, um, possibly for like in warfare as well with like, uh, um, you know, calling out European colonizers. Yeah. And so anyways, yeah, we have, you know, evidence that they were burning a lot. And then, uh, when the Europeans came and, uh, Euro Americans came and settled, um, you know, we had shifts in fire regimes and so it started to change the landscape and then, and, you know, so it's, it's just, it's so interesting because the, the exclusion of fire or the presence of fire totally changes the landscape. Yeah. You know, it, it's amazing. It's amazing. Well, and I think about, it's interesting to hear you talk about the, this post Oak Savannah. Cause I, I did my undergrad at Texas A&M, mm-hmm. which called the college station, that area of Texas is sort of at that Southern edge of mm-hmm. the, the, this great post Oak Savannah. Yeah. And I think about what's between College Station, Texas, and where you are in Oklahoma, Uh and there is the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, Mm -hmm. all of these different things that break up now what used to be this vast prairie forest is a weird thing to say, but that's what it was, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an old-growth prairie forest, and some Mm -hmm. of these post oaks are hundreds of years old. Oh, yeah super sensitive to you know that's something we talked about a lot about when i was at a&m is that we have all these old growth beautiful post oaks and all these uh you know riverbeds and prairie areas and mm. people would build houses and the root systems <laughs> are sensitive to disruption so they'd you know pour a, a patio or or something and kill this 200 year old tree and like but then you think about managing fire through this land it's like oh you can't have a big fire go through the middle of downtown Dallas. That's a problem. Yeah. And so like the way that ecosystems and native landscapes evolve over time is so strange and fascinating mm-hmm. um, based on, you know, human intervention and human development and all of that. But, yeah. you know, you talk about the, the management of indigenous peoples uh, for on this land for thousands of years, thousands oh, yeah. of years. And, you know, we have a place out here, and I think I've talked about this on a previous episode called the uh, Lubbock Lake Landmark. And it's we're at the headwaters here of one of the tributaries for the Brazos River um, that, you know, meets up with the Red River in different places and ends up in the Gulf of Mexico. Mm-hmm. And they found um, charred fossilized root material and bark material from uh, mesquite trees that they've, you know, carbon dated for hundreds or thousands of years. So, yeah, yeah so there was cool. active management on this land. It was... yeah. You know, the the concept of pristine nature is, hmm. there's a lot wrapped up in that, but it, it's kind of not real. It kind of doesn't exist. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh man. That, that is one of my favorite topics is, you know, Stephen Pine, you know, he's an author of a lot of uh, fire on the landscape kind mm-hmm. of books and, and kind of looking at things from an anthro- anthropologic um, standpoint. And, you know, he, that's what he would call first fire is, you know, kind of like this fire is a tool um, fire, you know, in nature as it was, um, before we kind of developed this farming, uh, community, mm-hmm. uh, system for, for humanity, you know, basically like civilization as, yeah. as farmers. Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, that seems to be so much more in line with nature. Um, and you know, what indigenous peoples have done, you know, the, the world over, uh, you know, historically speaking, before we had, you know, huge cities and, you know, things to break up the cross timbers, right? Like, uh, it would be patchwork or burning here, patchwork or burning there, you know, kind of move around, change, change around. And it created what nature would have created anyway, you yeah. know, like all oh, lightning strikes and it burns until it gets to a, a fire break, like a, a river or a, right. a, a beaver pond, you know, or whatever yeah, yeah. it is. And, uh, yeah, so people used to do that and, um, people still do that in some ways, but on smaller scales and different scales for different reasons. Sure. But yeah, there, I mean, we certainly have had huge cultural losses in the forced migration of people. Um, and, uh, and, and, and when I say cultural loss, I mean like, yes, their culture. Absolutely. We also have, you know, I think of as like kind of our, the, the land's culture, you know, yeah. what, what was the land for millennia when people were way more in tune with nature, you know, and, uh, used it more in harmony. I, you know, I'm not saying this as like, you know, esoteric, you know, I mean like, no, l- really like practically, you know, species have co-evolved in these regions for a reason, you know, yeah. and, and by drivers and forces. And when we have changed those up, it, it really, it, it's devastating, you know, in a lot of ways. Yeah. It, it, it's, you know, and that's such a big topic and, and more yeah. than we can cover in one episode, oh, yeah. but, <laughs> but, but I think that, but that's a theme that keeps coming up um, throughout, you know, cause I've talked to at this point, I don't even remember what episode number this is going to be, but it's mm-hmm. in the fifties somewhere. I think, I, I don't know. Uh, I've, I've lost count at some point. <laughs> um, but that's something that's come up with a lot of the folks that I've talked to is that, you know, our, our relationship to the land, we, mm-hmm. we are in this mindset of bending it to our will, you know, yeah. in, in a lot of ways when, you know, nature wants to do what it wants to do. And again, I'm anthropomorphizing here, but, mm-hmm. but there's, there's things that nature does because they work, those things work. <laughs> and, uh, without our intervention, like nature tends to try to reset to some of these things or yeah. adapt to the new challenges we've given it. And it's, it's an interesting study. And, um, I'm glad there are people studying it. I'm glad we're looking into our natural history and, and, you know, I, I, I'm, I, you know, I, I don't know that we're ever going to go back to managing the land in that way. I think our society has gone in different directions as, as a glo- globally, you know, as a global yeah. population. Yeah. But I, I do think there are things we can do to live maybe better with our planet, you know, and unfortunately it's taken 
us on the it's taken us getting to the brink of climate disaster to really start talking about it and that's a that's a hard truth but that's a truth you know yeah yeah and you know i mean it's it's so typical for human behavior right to (laughs) get you know we got to hit rock bottom i mean we use that idiom all the time like you got to hit rock bottom before you can climb back up you know and and unfortunately it's true that's kind of typical for humans but you know i i think you know looking on, you know, kind of the bright side of, of this issue is that you do have, and they don't always do it the best way, you know, you know, we're still figuring out things. And, but uh, what I love to see is like uh, conservation groups, like the nature conservancy, or Mm -hmm. there's a lot of like local groups and chapters of different organizations who uh, through, you know, philanthropy is not my favorite mode of change, (laughs) but through philanthropy and through other, you know, uh, modes, um, there is, there is at least a land ethic of sorts, um, being reintroduced and spreading, you know, like as nature conservancy and these other groups, um, expand, uh, their influence and, um, you know, just their presence and their land, uh, land mm-hmm. accumulated, yeah. right? Like larger preserves and uh, more of them. We're, you know, we're getting patchworks uh, where if we can keep that, like if, if uh, you know, we can keep that trend going, keep developing those, uh, restoring those areas, you know, and keep working with, I think, you know, indigenous uh, wisdom keepers who can, you know, provide really good informed uh, traditions meshed with what we know in science. I, I think, you know, that's, there's a trend there that if we keep that going and, and keep giving it good momentum, you know, like we can, we can preserve a lot for, for future generations. Um, there's a lot of work to be done <laughs> on that front, but, uh, yeah, I think that's the path forward, you know, because, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what other, uh, alternatives there are, you know, cities are going to grow. Um, yeah. And maybe, you know, like we just keep informing the next generations and, and they'll, they'll provide that sea change maybe. No, I, I agree. And I think there is so much to be encouraged about. I really do. I, and yeah. I know it's, it's easy working in this, in this field sometimes and seeing what we see and studying what yeah. we study to get down, but yeah. gosh, there are a lot of good people doing a lot of good work. Yes. And I think that as long as we keep like, kind of like you say, as long as we keep moving in the right direction and keep striving I, you know i think uh, uh change and education are both long and repetitive processes and mm-hmm. and but we'll get there right i think yeah. i think we we make progress we take the wins where we can and keep moving forward yeah yeah well i i think you know like one thing you know i i've learned how resilient i am and i didn't used to know that about myself and and other people is it's really easy to see all the times you fall down you know and it's really hard to remember that you keep falling down because you're still going. Yeah. Right. Like you're still got, you still got fight and you still get up. And, you know, like you said, it, it can be dismal in this field, especially if you have mental health struggles, you know, <laughs> if you're prone to depression, this, this can be a really difficult thing is to think about restoration and, you know, the future of humanity and the land and all that. But, but I think the fact is, is that, you know, um, the world does have a lot of good people and, uh, you know, dynamics are, 
you know, they're dynamic. I mean, it's dynamic, you know, yeah. humanity's dynamic. It's always changing generations change. Uh, you know, we have more people having less babies. Um, and we have, but that will change too. Then there will be population growth and, you know, these, it's just dynamic. Yeah. And I don't have answers as to what's right, what's wrong or whatever, but I just know, like, I love nature and I, I don't, it's, it's hard pressed to find people. There are people, there are some real Scrooges out there, nature Scrooges, <laughs> you know, yeah. I've met them from time to time. Yeah. It's like, what? Like, it's always weird. Yeah. Like I, yeah, I don't know what to say to you, man. Like, <laughs> you know, but, uh, no, I think, you know, that's the thing is like most people, it's just about getting out there and seeing it. And, and that's, I love like, you know, podcasts like this, they, they're so inspiring to people. Um, maybe not mine, but somebody's will. Now yours is you great. Know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like, it, it's so cool to just hear how much people care. And yeah. I think that's the biggest thing for me is inspiration. Like if, if there is somebody who's out there able to speak something inspiring, you know, and share it and, you know, throw their full weight of enthusiasm and passion behind it. Like, man, I'll, I'll do it. Like I'll, I'll listen to it and then yeah. I'll go do whatever it is they said, because I'm just <laughs> like, yeah, okay. You're, you're, you're a leader. I'll follow you, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I think there, there is just a lot of good, um, to find in the, in this realm. And, uh, so yeah, I, I would encourage like anybody listening or anything like that. There are so many cool groups that will allow you the opportunity to come out and visit their places, hear their talks or like do the work, you know, there's like lots of cool. I know like the nature, I'm talking about the nature conservancy just cause I guess that's kind of what I know of in my, my area. Yeah. Um, but you know, they do like these annual and, and semi-annual events where they'll allow you to come out. Like, you know, they'll tell you all about the place. You get to get out and immerse yourself in it with a guided, you know, tour of it. And it's so cool. I mean, you don't even have to do any work except just get yourself there and they do the rest and yeah. you know, you're just inspired and yeah, I, I don't know, man, there's, there's no shortage of inspiration except just the, motivation gets stuff out of the chair i guess no nah, i hear you man <laughs> which I hear is a you. challenge itself oh sure it is right now <laughs> sure it is oh yeah no 100 percent um and when you kind of so you kind of just asked you answered my last question that i always ask guests uh but i'm gonna ask it anyway in case there's something okay. else that pops into your head no, there, will, there will be i assure you <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah so so man we've talked about a lot of great stuff and and just to kind of wrap up i always like to ask you know if there's something you could leave people with like one thing uh, that that's a take home message about anything we've talked about or shoot anything in general life. Uh, what would that be? What would you like our listeners to like hang on to from this episode with Joe Buck? Mm, that man, that, what a great question. <laughs> oh. Okay. Obviously there's a reason why I, uh, I, I do interviews and I ask other people questions because I have an obvious tem- tendency to just ramble. So let me, th- in, in summation, what I would love for people to, to just not forget, I think, is that um, we, all, we all have ideas and we all have our, what inspires us. We all kind of have our thing whether it's developed or not. And I would just really like to encourage everyone to, you know, there's not necessarily a thing or one thing that is meant to be yours or, you know, whatever, but 
whatever it is that you're interested in, um, in the fields that you're in, like, man, you just put all your damn weight behind that and you push, like, just go for it. You know, um, I, I have like a multitude of jobs and past experiences that have enabled me to do what I am doing right now. And if I, if I hadn't have just done whatever it was I was doing, I'd never be able to do what I do right now. Yeah. And so I would just, you know, like to say that, uh, connect with people early. Now I think that, yeah, sorry, this is a complete different point, but this, no, is, this, I dig is, it. this is the one right here. Okay. okay, Ignore, okay. Remember what I said earlier. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Vikram. I'm so sorry. No, you're great. Uh, this, this is it. This is it. Okay. Connections. Make lots of connections. It, I don't care if it's on Twitter or if it's Instagram, whatever it is. And by God, I'm so excited to get back out and actually make, even though I'm like, have social anxiety, I'm still excited to make real social connections with people again. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but do that, you know, like go places, see people and just introduce yourself. Um, because man, like we can't do near as much by ourselves as we can do together. And so, the more people you connect to, the more opportunities you're going to have uh, to do whatever it is you're passionate about. So, yeah. That's awesome. Go. That's, I love that's it. my one thing right there. No, I like it. It's great. <laughs> Perfect. Well, speak, okay. So speaking of connections, where all do we find you? We've talked about a few of the spots mm-hmm. that uh, and things we do, but where, uh, where can people look you up? Okay. Well, Twitter's my jam. So like at Joe Buck in nature, okay. uh, it is as simple as it sounds. It's literally <laughs> J O E B U C K. I N nature. Cause I okay. don't know if I can spell nature, honestly. So, um, yeah, that's it. And, uh, uh, I do have a website. It's www.joebuckinnature. Okay. I like it's themed. Well, I like it. You're I have to keep things simple, man. That's, that's, that's how I, that's, that's how I make it. And, uh, so yeah, like you could go to those places that'll link you to like kind of my dendro consultancy work. Um, okay fireside chats they're just fun like you get to see people and i like that and then like some instagram stuff i post like tree rings and um things on twitter and instagram and it's fun little nature inspo yeah that's rad i love it i'll i'll link all that and the show notes and make sure people can find you but man i appreciate it so much that was a lot of fun all right, cool. I did too, man. Thanks so much for having me on, Vikram. It, like your podcast, your presence, all of your voice, like everything about it. You just, you show up in a way that just makes you happy to be here, you know? So, yeah. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. That was, that was a lot of fun. And I think, uh, I think that was one that, um, uh, the, our, our listeners will really have enjoyed and, uh, hopefully they'll reach out and get in touch with you and follow along with all the cool stuff you do. Awesome. Yeah. I welcome everyone. So yeah. All right. Well, y'all, thanks for listening. Uh, you know, I think you people are the best and, uh, um, I hope that your summer or I don't even, again, I don't know what today is, whatever day this comes out early June, probably. Uh, I hope your, your spring is wrapping up well, your summer starting well and whatever you're doing, I hope you are, uh, staying safe, staying well and being cool. So, uh, we will talk to you next time and, uh, y'all are awesome. Y'all, were you were you inspired? I was inspired. Um, Joe said something to the effect in this episode of if you keep falling down, it's because you're still going. It means you are still going. It means that you have gotten back up to fall back down. We all fall down, friends. We do. But the fact that you're still going 
And the fact that you still have the capacity to fall down and get back up says so much about you. So I hope um, whatever your struggles are, if you uh, deal with mental health issues, um, which you know I think we all do to some extent, uh, find someone to talk to. Find someone who can help you. There are people out there that um, uh, want to help you, that, that are trained to help you. And find a friend, family member, a professional. Uh, if you need someone to talk to, find someone to talk to. And uh, if you're like Joe, you know, you, he has used his struggles for so much good. And that's something that I aspire to. And that's something that inspires me. Um, so, uh, again, I hope that you left this episode feeling good about the world and feeling good about our future. Um, thanks so much to the Texas Tech Department of Plant and Soil Science for sponsoring the show, uh, for letting me do this show, and for all the constant support. Uh, Dr. Richie, our department chair, has been such a big fan of the show and such a big just cheerleader as we've gone through this process. And I cannot thank him and my colleagues and the the college enough uh, for the support. Um, again, follow us on social media, all the places. Uh, next week, I will be back with an episode that was supposed to come out last week. Uh, We'll be talking about rain. Rain is one of my favorite things. And I'm behind a little bit on my Plants in World Tradition series, but I promise we're going to get caught up. So thanks for listening. Y'all are the best. And I will talk to you next week. Stay safe and keep being cool. You've been listening to a podcast of the Podfix Network. Discover more audible gems like this at podfixnetwork.com. Make sure to catch up-to-the-minute network shenanigans by following at Podfix on Twitter, official underscore Podfix on Instagram, at Podfix Network on Facebook. And make sure to subscribe to Podfix Presents wherever you choose to find podcasts. The Podfix Network, artist owned and loved.